Have you ever had something of of great value in your possession and you didn't realize that you had it? A while back on the like a month or so ago on the antique road show, you see it sometimes and they bring in items that people have and they are praised. And sometimes they have these fantastic finds. There was a woman from New England and she had some things that she thought might have some value, but she wasn't really quite sure how much she thought it'd be enough to maybe do some nice things for her kids or her grandkids. Maybe have a nice trip, pay off a little bit of debt, something like that. Uh, and what, what she had in her possession was her, her mother, her great-great-grandmother, in fact, had lived in Boston and had run a, a boarding house. And while she was doing that, uh, there were three of the Boston Red Sox, called the Boston Red Stockings back then, in the early 1870s, who had stayed at her house. And she'd asked, they'd done, done a couple nice things for her to kind of supplement uh, their, their, their room and board. And so they left some uniforms and a few things, a few hand-signed notes, things like that. And so she got these from her great, great grandmother and she took them to be appraised. She thought she'd been offered about five thousand. She thought it might be a little bit more than that. It turned out to be a million dollars, a huge amount of money for something that she had had in her possession for for many, many years. But she didn't realize all along how how important it was and how valuable it was. She thought it might be something to add a little bit of joy, a little extra something to her life. But but it actually was something that had the potential to change her life. Yeah, today we're coming to one of the most important passages in the book of Galatians. And the Apostle Paul has been writing about the value of the gospel, how important it is, how precious and priceless how it is, how unique it is, and how it has the potential to change our lives, to change everything in our lives. And I want to draw an analogy between my opening story and this. Many of us, most of us probably have have accepted the gospel at some point in our lives, perhaps when we were a child or a teen, maybe as an adult, maybe something just maybe some of us just recently. And we think it's great and we think it's nice, but we really don't fully realize and grasp how valuable it is and how it can change absolutely everything in our lives. It hasn't become quite as real to us as maybe it could be or should be yet for our lives. And today's passage in Galatians, where Paul hones in on things here in these few verses out of chapter two, Paul is challenging us and and challenging the the Christians in Galatia to to not just have the gospel be something that's a part of our life, a nice thing that changes a few things, but to realize how special it is, how priceless it is and how it can change everything in every aspect of our lives. Now, as we continue our sermon series out of the book of, of Galatians, the, the, the key theme through the whole thing is freedom. And today we're going to look at how the gospel, understanding the gospel and walking in line with the truth of the gospel, which we're going to be looking at in just a second, has the power to change our lives and set us free to live our lives as God has intended. But before we do that, I'm going to offer a short prayer. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that simply now your Holy Spirit and your holy word would intersect in our lives, uh, that we would, our eyes would be open and our hearts would be warmed and our minds would be renewed, uh, that we might increasingly have our lives, our values, our priorities, every aspect of our lives, Lord, uh, put in line with your truth and your will. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and we offer ourselves to you in his name. Amen. So the message of, of, of this short passage is, is simply this from the Apostle Paul. He's saying, don't just believe the gospel, 
but put it into practice. Don't just assent to the gospel, but live in line with the truth of it. And, and, you know, it's pretty easy for us to believe, but sometimes it's hard for us to put into practice. It's easy to believe the gospel, but to live like we don't. Let's take a look at an example that Paul brings to our attention, starting in verse 11. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So here's the situation. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we kicked off the sermon series, we, were, we referenced a meeting between Peter and, and Paul back in Acts 15. And the context of that meeting was uh, it was, it was Jerusalem and, and, and Paul had visited Peter on his home turf. And they, they had a discussion with other church leaders about what was the essence of the gospel. There was a group who were teaching that you needed to accept Christ and then you had to do certain Jewish traditions and customs and or along with that in order to be saved and to be considered a part of the church. They have this big agreement, the disagreement, they, they work through things and they come to, this, to the place where they're on the same page, uh, that Peter and Paul are on the same page. And this and this is it. The, the, the core of the gospel were accepted by God by the basis of what Christ has done for us on the cross and nothing else. So they get to this place and they agree on this and and they go their separate ways. And they say this applies to everybody, both Jew and and Gentile and people of every race and ethnicity. And now we come again to Galatians. And this time there's another meeting between Paul and Peter. And this time it's on Paul's home turf. And so Peter travels up from Jerusalem to Antioch, which is north of their ways. And and Antioch was a a mix of, of, of both Jews and Gentiles in the population. And the church then reflected the population. A lot of Jews and Gentile believers in the church. And it's here in Antioch that Peter runs into a problem. In, in the past, he's previously eaten with Gentiles. The, the barriers have been broken down and he eats with them. They're all one in Christ. And this was a huge thing if you were a Jewish person, because, of course, the Old Testament dietary laws and rules had set up certain uh, guidelines and, and places of separation between the Jewish people and the outside world. But but Peter and the disciples believe that in Christ, those those things were dissolved and that we were now all one in Christ. Those barriers have been broken down. And so Peter's done this in the past. But now in this situation, Peter gets some pushback. He gets some peer pressure. Some of the Jewish believers are, are, are pressuring him to to break away and to begin to observe the Jewish laws again. And so Peter begins to eat separately now, remember, this is a big issue because Peter is a key leader in the church. People look to him for their cues about what it meant to be a believer and, and what the gospel was really about. And so all of a sudden, the barrier that Jesus has torn down between Jews and Gentiles is being built back up again because of Peter's actions. He believed the Bible, the gospel. He'd experienced the gospel. He'd walked with Jesus. But now in his behavior, he was not acting as if he believed and embraced the gospel. 
And so Paul confronts Peter publicly to his face. It's such a big issue that he confronts him in front of everybody so that they will hear this and understand the truth and the essence of the gospel. He says this in verse 14. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So what Paul is saying is you have the truth of the gospel, Peter. You know that we are only accepted by God through faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross. And yet you are not walking, you're not acting, not treating others in line with that truth. You can believe the gospel and yet live like you don't. Back in college, um, I got pulled over by a police officer who suspected me of of drunk driving. Do I have your attention now? Okay. Okay. Should I tell you the rest of the story? Just leave it like that. Okay. It's not what you think. Um, I wasn't perfect, but I, uh, there was a, c- a couple of guys in this fraternity, and we were, were trying to follow Christ and model our witness to those around us. And so one of the things we told our friends was, hey, if you guys go out on the weekend and you don't think you can drive back, give us a call. We'll come down and pick you up. And so one night I got a call, and um, I said, sure, I'll come down and pick you guys. There's three or four guys. I'll come down and pick you up and um, <laughs> be glad to. So I drove down there, but I didn't have my own car. My car, I can't remember why, it was in the shop or something. So I borrowed somebody else's car and, and drove down and got him. Now, you know, when you drive somebody else's car, you don't always know all the little things about it. So I turned on the lights or thought I turned the lights on, but they were only to the parking lights. So I'm driving back downtown Lawrence with three or four guys who had been drinking. I had not. And a police officer, officer sees me driving without lights on. Lights go on, pulls me over, gets, gets me out of the car and begins to ask me questions. And um, I explained myself. He said, yeah, but uh, he had, he made me do the whole thing, you know, do the the nose touching, which is hard to do anyway. Touch your toes, count backwards from 100, dividing by three. I mean, all, all this weird stuff, you know, um, there was no breathalyzers. So they made me do all this stuff. And then the last thing, of course, is you make makes you do a straight line. Where you have to go one toe right after the other and kind of not fall over. And and I did it. I did it fine. And, and, and he released me. He said, no problem. He understood. He said, make sure you turn on the lights next time. I said, OK, officer. Now, I wasn't I wasn't mad at him. He, uh, I mean, maybe slightly embarrassed. It's kind of a funny story to tell now. But he was just doing his job. He made me like walk a straight line to make sure that I was walking in line with the letter of the law. Right. Well, that's exactly what Peter is doing here in Galatians. And that's what he's doing with us through Galatians chapter two. He's giving us sort of a gospel sobriety test. He's asking us to look at how we live our lives, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we parent, how we act as a spouse, how we how we work, what we do with our leisure time. What do we allow into our heart and our mind? He's asking us to look at how we live to see if we are walking straight in line with the truth of the gospel. In Peter's case, (laughs) he isn't. and It's causing potential damage in the church. And whenever we don't walk in line with the truth of the gospel, as we all want to do at different times, we all are going to fall into that trap at different times. When we don't, it can cause potential damage as well in the church or in the lives of those around us who are looking to us for cues about what does it mean to believe this stuff? What does it mean to follow Christ? What is this good news gospel stuff about? 
Tim Keller says Christian living is a continual realignment process of bringing thing, bringing everything in line with the truth of the gospel. A couple things to pull out. He says continual. It's not once. It's not said and then done. It's it's a continual, lifelong process of realigning. Which I like that that image. Realign. We kind of tend to do this, and we have to bring ourselves back in line, in alignment with the truth of the gospel. And that's not easy to do, is it? It's hard to do. It's a continual, lifelong process of bringing everything in line with the truth of the gospel. That's the first thing we see in this passage. It's easy to believe the gospel, but it's also easy to live like we don't. And even the most mature Christian, Peter himself, can lose his or her grip on the gospel and begin to walk out of line. That's the first thing we see. Let's give a couple examples of how we can do this in our lives. Maybe not just, for instance, we can believe that we have to earn God's approval rather than understanding that our approval has already been won based upon what Christ has done for us. That's one way it's easy for us to fall into that trap. Another one is that we can do like Peter did with other people. We can begin to create divisions and expectations based on non-gospel issues. You have to dress a certain way, act a certain way, do certain things and customs and traditions to, to be one of us. And when we do this, we begin to force others to conform to standards that have nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the biggest challenges we face is believing the gospel in our heads, but not really working out the implications of it. In our lives. So what does Paul do? Well, in the rest of the chapter, beginning in verse 15, he tells us one thing and then kind of kind of uh, unravels it after that. We are to convince ourselves to grasp and to understand certain key facts so that we don't just believe the gospel, but so that we actually live it, live in line with it. It's, a, it's kind of the theological heart of Galatians. So three things. How do we move from um, just believing the gospel to living in line with the truth of it? First, and we alluded to this just a minute ago, we are to get through our heads that nobody, nobody's accepted by God based on his or her performance. This gets to the heart of the issue, because the problem we have in living in line with the gospel is that we have a really hard time believing that we are completely accepted, not partially accepted completely and utterly accepted on the basis of what Christ has done for us rather than what we do. And so it's, it's tempting to live like we have to earn God's approval rather than really believing in the depths of our being that Jesus has done it all for us. Verses 15 and 16. <laughs> we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law but by faith in Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law, no one will be justified. So here's the fundamental problem or issue that we all have as human beings. We want to be justified, right? We want to justify ourselves in, in front of other people. But most importantly, we want to be justified when we stand in front of God one day. We want to be able to stand before God one day and hear him say, not guilty. You're acquitted. 
you are innocent. Now, here's how it works. Most of us understand at some level that we are justified before God based on what Christ has done for us on the cross. And that we are declared righteous, not because we have lived perfect lives, but because Christ has lived a perfect life and then paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. But we still live as if we have to earn God's approval. And that's the matter that Peter was compromising when he refused to eat with the Gentiles, living as if the old rules still mattered, even though he believed and experienced that we are saved by what Christ has done. He kept slipping back into that, that old religion instead of a relationship with God through Christ. So the first thing we have to do is to drill into our minds that nobody is saved by what they do. Very basic, but so easy for us to begin to distort and act the other way. Nobody will stand before God one day and be declared righteous on their own good works. Not Peter, not Paul, not Billy Graham, not Mother Teresa. Nobody. That's the first step we have to take in order to truly live in line with the truth of the gospel. Stop trying to earn God's approval through our own effort. Second, realize that when we try to earn God's approval through our own performance, that we are, in fact, sinning. It's not just a mistake. It's not just wrong-headed thinking. The Bible says that we are sinning. Let's listen to what Paul says in verses 17 through 19. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed... I prove that I am a lawbreaker. When he says, what's he rebuilding? The law, trying to earn God's approval through our good works. He says, if I rebuild what was destroyed, destroyed through Christ's work on the cross, then I prove I'm a lawbreaker. I become, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm sinning. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. So Paul says that when we try to earn our way, to God that we are sinning because we're bringing back a set of standards that that no longer exist and applies to us. If Jesus has fulfilled the law and all its requirements, then it's a sin for us to try to bring it back and live according to it. We are rebuilding what has already been torn down. We're trying to stay married, as it were, to something that is already dead. Second, Paul says if if that that when we try to live according to the law and try to justify ourselves before God, that we are sinning because the standards we are trying to bring back are standards that we can never, ever fulfill on our own. And therefore, they will condemn us in the end. We'll end up just like being condemned by the very standards that we're trying to bring back. It's like politicians who work to pass laws. And then a few years later, they get busted by the same laws that they created So when we lose the gospel and begin to earn God's approval through our own efforts, we're not just wrong. We are sinful. And we're also drawing others into a works related, driven righteousness and religion. So that's what Paul has been saying so far. How do we not just believe the gospel but live in line with the truth of it? Realize that nobody is saved by his or own performance and realize that to even try is sinful. And then finally, we are to get the order right, get God's order, get the gospel, gospel order right. J. Gresham Macon pointed out that the real issue in this passage is the order in which things happen. You put your faith in Christ, you're accepted by God, 
then you do good works. The false teachers are putting it this way. You put your faith in Christ, you do good works, then you're accepted by God. Seems like semantics, like a small difference, but it makes all the difference in the world. Do we put our faith in Christ, find acceptance, and then do good works as a response as he lives within us? Or do we believe, do good works, and then think that are accepted, we are accepted by God? Paul says it is the first. And it comes through putting our faith in Christ, being justified before him, and then allow him, allowing him to live in us and through us. Verses 20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. John Piper puts it this way. You don't attain the benefits of the gospel by doing a little moral cleanup job in your life. You attain forgiveness and joy and peace and power through daily reliance upon Jesus Christ, who loved you and gave himself for you. But that faith, when it is genuine, creates a rhythm of life that is in step with the truth of the gospel. Simply put, if we want to live in line with the truth of the gospel, we are to die to ourselves. And we are to allow Christ to live within us, to change us, to shape us in our actions in every area of our lives. Perhaps easy to say, but hard to do. Because even Peter himself got it wrong. Even he needed to be corrected. Maybe we do too. If we want to live in line with the truth of the gospel, it begins with understanding that we all stand equal as sinners before God and that no one can earn their own way, can pay their own way. It begins with, with putting our faith in Christ, being accepted by him, being justified because of what he has done and not because of what we can bring to the table. And it begins by letting the very life of Jesus Christ, the, the crucified and risen Christ, live within us as we take our focus off ourselves and place it on others. That's the good news that can completely change our lives. And we all have it available to us. Do we realize how precious and how important and how transformational it really is? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you are God who, who loves us enough to send your son to make a way that we can be with you and be forgiven and be changed people. That's the good news. So, Father, help us to be diligent about our own lives, to be in a continual process of realigning our lives through your spirit and through your word and through, through the, the love and the community of your people, to realign our lives in a way that is in line with the truth of your gospel, that we would treat people without discrimination, that we would, that we would spend our time and our resources in a way that builds your kingdom and not our own, that you would help us, God, to be people who, uh, who value what you have given us.
the gospel, the good news that sets us free to live for you. Christ in me, living in and through me. May it be so in our lives. Through Christ's power. Amen.